Welcome to the award-winning, yes, award-winning QuackCast. Voted in 2009, best health podcast. You can fool some of the people some of the time. This is your home for evidence-based ridicule and, Tam notwithstanding, I am a dick. Now, this is podcast number 50, I guess, plus or minus two, and is entitled The New England Journal of Medicine and Acupuncture. Even the best can publish nonsense. For those of you who have read this over at Science-Based Medicine, you can just turn it off. But I know not everybody reads the blog. There was a time when I believed my betters. Actually, there was a time when I thought I had betters. Then the Annals of Internal Medicine had their absolutely ghastly series on scams. The publication of which was partly responsible for my interest in the topic. Since that series of articles, I have always had doubt whenever I read an Annals article. When a previously respected journal panders completely to woo, they lose all respectability. Sure, the editors who were responsible for that travesty are long gone, but the stink remains. I tell my kids that once the trust has been violated, it is difficult to get back. And the Annals has permanently lost my trust, I am afraid. But we will always have Paris. Uh, I mean, the New England Journal of Medicine. The NEJM is the premier medical journal. Now, just because an article is published in the New England Journal doesn't mean it's right. The results of clinical trials are always being superseded by new information. But an article that has been in the New England Journal of Medicine has supposedly been vetted. It's been rigorously peer-reviewed. It's like Harvard... uh, example. As we saw in a prior quack cast, Harvard ain't so great either. And evidently that applies to the New England Journal as well. To quote a great rock and roller, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. The editors of the New England Journal have fallen into the depths of nonsense with this one. I am referring to the July 29th New England Journal of Medicine article entitled Clinical Therapeutics. Acupuncture for Chronic Low Back Pain by Brian Berman, Helene Langenvin, Claudia M. Witt, and Ronald Dubner. First up, the authors. Now, you always want to acknowledge experts in a field to write your review. If you want to write a review on Lyme disease, you ask a Lyme expert, the Connecticut Attorney General notwithstanding. And if you want to review heart attacks, You ask a cardiologist. So in that spirit, if you want a review of pre-scientific magic, you want someone well-versed in the practice of pre-scientific magic. Fortunately for this review, the authors seem very well qualified. Dr. Berman founded the Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Maryland, Maryland, and he has a long history of research on the topic of acupuncture. The center that he founded has on its staff a reflexologist and a Reiki master. Really? And the center offers acupuncture, homeopathy, mindfulness, shiatsu, isn't that a dog? Reflexology, tai chi, and osteopathic manipulation, amongst other things. 
Although, really, if you can get people to pay out of pocket for that, there's a lot more manipulation than osteopathic going on. And the University of Maryland proudly offers both acupuncture and Reiki to their trauma patients. Quote, Reiki is a Japanese technique of relaxation that works similarly to acupuncture in that you are releasing and moving energy. By using Reiki with trauma patients, we are not only helping them to relax, we are making them active participants in their own healing, which can be very empowering. Seriously, your body has been shattered in a car accident or a gunshot, and your healthcare providers think they can improve your condition by moving and releasing your energy by waving their hands over you. If, God forbid, you should have trauma and end up at University of Maryland, get transferred fast. Dr. Berman, as I have mentioned, has extensive publications on the topic of acupuncture, and Dr. Witt has published multiple articles on the efficacy, or lack thereof, of homeopathy, including one using homeopathy for low back pain. So two of the authors are well-grounded in magical thinking. Who better to write it in New England Journal Review on acupuncture? They have found a Dumbledore, a Gandalf, to write the article which explains the content as the editors of the New England Journal have evidently been hit with a confundus charm. As I think about it, that is not the best metaphor. Since in the fantasy world of Harry Potter, magic is real. But in the real world of medicine, magic is fantasy. As well as a review article in the New England Journal. The authors start with a case of chronic low back pain with mild degenerative disease, but no anatomical or physiologic reason for the pain. Their clinical vignette ends with, quote, The patient wonders whether acupuncture would be beneficial, and asks for a referral to a licensed acupuncturist. Yeah, right, like anybody asks for a referral to a licensed acupuncturist. Well, no, that's simple enough. Acupuncture is nonsense. Oh, wait, there's more. They then review the epidemiology, the physiology, and anatomy of chronic low back pain and note that the understanding of the disease is a long way from satisfactory. And then they conclude with the following, quote, In addition, psychological and behavioral factors, including fear of movement, appear to play an important role in patients with chronic low back pain. Such patients have been shown to have altered brain activation patterns at subcortical and cortical sites associated with emotion and postural control. Studies comparing psychosocial variables with anatomic findings have shown that the farmer, the farmer, the former have a greater predictive value than the latter, though many farmers do have low back pain. In other words, low back pain has a big psychological overlay. It is the psychological overlay of pain that makes it difficult to determine the effectiveness of a therapy that is meant to decrease that pain. When treating a condition in medicine, most interventions attempt to alter the underlying pathophysiology. You block a receptor, alter anatomy with a procedure as examples. If the intervention has no effect on the underlying pathophysiology, there is little reason to expect benefit beyond a placebo effect, which is, of course, no effect at all. Then they jump to acupuncture. Quote, acupuncture is a therapeutic intervention. It is an intervention, yes, but therapeutic? Therapeutic means relating to the healing of disease, 
and acupuncture heals nothing. So they are front-loading the language, saying at the beginning that acupuncture is effective rather than proving the case. I would have said acupuncture is useless magic instead of therapeutic, but that's just me. They then continue, quote, Although a number of different techniques or schools of acupuncture practice have arisen, the approach used in traditional Chinese medicine appears to be the most widely practiced in the United States. Why? Is Chinese acupuncture better? Or is popularity the criteria for which we use to determine appropriate medical care? There is Chinese acupuncture and Japanese acupuncture and tongue acupuncture and foot acupuncture and ear acupuncture and German head acupuncture. Is there any justification for using one over the other? They offer none. And which is the correct style? As I have said before, it is a trick question. Like asking which is the real astrology? European, Indian, or Mayan? The actual question is, they're all crap. They then delve into real nonsense. Quote, Traditional Chinese medicine espouses an ancient physiological system, not based on Western scientific empiricism, in which health is seen as the result of harmony among bodily functions and between body and nature. Internal disharmony is believed to cause blockage of the body's vital energy known as qi, which flows along 12 primary and 8 secondary meridians. Blockage of qi is thought to be manifested as tenderness on palpation. The insertion of acupuncture needles at specific points along the meridians is supposed to restore the proper flow of qi. I hate to point out that the physiologic system I use, based on so-called Western scientific empiricism, is also based on anatomy, chemistry, biochemistry, histology, etc. All are based on physical structures that can be isolated and examined. Meridians and key blockage is based on what? Nothing. Meridians and key do not exist. Yet here is the New England Journal of Medicine offering up complete with a picture, the idea of meridians and key as if they are a meaningful construct. Next up in the New England Journal of Medicine will be the following. Quote, Traditional European medicine espouses an ancient physiologic system, not based on Western scientific empiricism, in which health is seen as the result of harmony among bodily functions and between body and nature. Internal disharmony is believed to cause blockage of the body's vital energy known as humors, black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and blood, which flows in the body. Blockage of the humors is thought to be manifested as illness. Bleeding and purging is supposed to restore the proper flow of balance of humors. If anyone sees a conceptual difference between those two paragraphs, don't let the editors of the New England Journal of Medicine know until after they accept my review on therapeutic bleeding. Being published in the New England Journal of Medicine is the medical equivalent of being on the cover of the Rolling Stone, and I think I have my opportunity here. They continue, quote, Efforts have been made to characterize the effects of acupuncture in terms of established principles of medical physiology on which Western medicine is based. Why? Isn't an ancient physiological system enough upon which to base a therapeutic intervention? Quote, 
The efforts remain inconclusive for several reasons. First, the majority of studies have been conducted in animals, and it is difficult to relate findings from such studies to effects in humans. Second, acupuncture has been shown to activate peripheral nerve fibers of all sizes, rendering a systematic study of responses complex. Oh, there's this too hard for them. Third, the acupuncture experience is dominated by a strong psychosocial context, including expectations, beliefs, and the therapeutic milieu. And of course, fourth, having no basis in reality, acupuncture can't work any more than homeopathy or Reiki. This is Tooth Fairy Science, and it is published in the New England Journal of Medicine. They then delve into the real world, trying to find physiology of acupuncture and the basic science that validates acupuncture. Fine. You stick people with needles, you should get a variety of physiologic responses, both locally and in the brain. The question is whether these effects are specific to acupuncture or non-specific results of poking people with a sharp object. Like all acupuncture apologists, they lack a certain precision as to what they consider acupuncture and offer electroacupuncture as evidence. Quote, In the rat, electroacupuncture has been shown to induce pituitary secretion of adenocorticotropic hormone, ACTH, and cortisol leading to systemic anti-inflammatory effects. Ah, yes, electroacupuncture. I still remember when they discovered those ancient Chinese Duracells and alligator clips that allow the Chinese to shock their patient. Now, I quote here from the electroacupuncture article referenced above, quote, While the EA frequency was held constant, intensity was adjusted slowly over a period of approximately two minutes to the designated level of three milliamps, which is the maximum current intensity that a conscious animal can tolerate. Mild muscle twitching was observed. And so, when shocked, the rabbits released ACTH and cortisol, as any animal would if electrocuted. Release of ACTH and cortisol is the part of the response to stress. I can just see that poor rat, quote, placed under an inverted clear plastic chamber, end quote, for observation, saying, don't tase me, bro, don't tase me, bro. Wait, it's not a taser. It's a projectile electroacupuncture remote delivery system. And if I use it on you, you are going to release some ACTH and cortisol as well, bro. I mean, seriously, did the editors look at the references? They seriously need some new reviewers. But I will grant them that sticking needles in people has physiologic effects and that shocking a rat makes it squirt out some cortisol. However, acupuncture is about putting needles in specific sites. Never mind that each version of acupuncture has different sites that you're supposed to put the needles in. In the animal models and human studies, they attempt to needle specific sites that correlate with the treatment of disease. Most acupuncture studies use the traditional sites associated with whatever illness they are not really treating. Acupuncture is about putting the needle just so. The basic science, as I read it, concerns the effects of needling people. If you're going to recommend acupuncture and a style of acupuncture, which they will, then you need to justify the use of the needles in specific sites 
by people trained in that acupuncture, and the literature does not support that. It doesn't matter where you put the needles, or even if you use needles at all. As we have discussed in other podcasts, since twirling a toothpick has better effects on knee pain than needling. And I will ask again whose style of acupuncture you're going to use. Ear, tongue, foot, Japanese, German, Chinese? Then they move on to clinical trials, and my gaster is flabbered. Quote, Real acupuncture treatments were no more effective than sham acupuncture treatments. Hmm, end of story, doesn't work. Wait a minute. There was nevertheless evidence that both real acupuncture and sham acupuncture were more effective than no treatment, and that acupuncture can be a useful supplement to other forms of conventional therapy for low back pain, unquote, or actually, end quote. Let's take a trip back in time, shall we? We have the Wayback Machine here. There was a procedure for the treatment of angina where they ligated the internal mammary arteries. The theory is that by tying off the arteries, the back pressure forced blood down the coronary arteries and relieved cardiac pain. They did this on a bunch of people, and angina improved. And there are about 40-plus papers in the 1950s and 60s on the benefits of the procedure, as well as studies looking at the underlying physiology of the procedure. Mammary artery ligation worked, he said in air quotes, and was popular in the early 60s until the procedure was compared to a sham operation. That's right, they opened people up and they did nothing. The result, quote, the combined results of two randomized controlled trials comparing an earlier surgical procedure for angina, bilateral internal mammary artery ligation, to sham surgery clearly show that patients experienced significant improvement with both the internal mammary ligation, 67% substantial improvement, and the sham procedure, 82% substantial improvement. So, how would you interpret that study? If a procedure is equal to a sham procedure, then I would say the procedure does not work. In the case of sham surgery, say that three times really fast, there was no change in the underlying physiology of the blood supply to the heart. This study is perhaps a classic clinical trial that demonstrates the difficulty in assessing the results of an intervention for pain. Patients had significant improvement in their angina, much better than doing nothing, although those studies did not have a usual care wing, but two-thirds of angina patients do not get significant improvement on their own. And guess what? Open heart surgery? It has been shown to induce pituitary secretion of adenocorticotropic hormone and cortisol, leading to systemic anti-inflammatory effects. And surgery releases endogenous opioids, and I bet, I wonder, do you think cracking somebody's chest activates both peripheral and central pain fibers? Hmm. It looks to me like we have a justification for going back to treating angina with internal mammary artery ligation. The authors of this review justify the recommendation of acupuncture on two studies that demonstrate the equivalence of sham acupuncture and real acupuncture for low back pain. The same number of studies used for mammary artery ligation and the surgical procedure has the same physiologic effects as acupuncture. Now, being an article on back pain, they did not include the article that showed knee pain treated with sham acupuncture 
in this case twirling toothpicks on the skin, is perhaps superior to real acupuncture. As I keep saying, it matters not where the needles are placed or even if needles are used. So far, the authors provide no historic scientific plausibility, non-specific modern pathophysiology, a bit of gratuitous rabbit torture, and who isn't in favor of that, and two clinical trials that demonstrate no efficacy of acupuncture over placebo. Their level of justification reaches that of mammary artery ligation, except for the rabbit torture part. I start to wonder if the Newland Journal editors actually read the review before publishing it. The authors then move on to clinical use. Quote, Acupuncture has not been established to be superior to sham acupuncture for the relief of symptoms of low back pain. Translation, it doesn't work. As a result, it is not often regarded as a first choice of therapy. Translation, clinicians don't like to use things that don't work. However, since extensive clinical trials too is extensive? Are the authors even reading the manuscript? Have suggested that acupuncture may be more effective than usual care. It is not unreasonable to consider acupuncture, you mean before first-line therapy, when it doesn't work? Or together with conventional treatments such as physical therapy, pain medication, and exercise. Let's see now, if you add nothing to something, you don't increase the net effect. That is some interesting sentence structure, worthy of animal farm. Even though acupuncture doesn't work and it isn't first-line therapy for pain, it should be used for first-line therapy because it works. Huh? Although the qualifiers not been established, suggested, maybe, and not unreasonable, muddy the water with their density. Quote, Acupuncture is a regulated discipline mostly for tax reasons, and patients should be referred only to practitioners who are licensed by the state in which they practice. Why? It's like Duck's Breath Mystery Theater's Dr. Science, because I have a master's degree in acupuncture. A license to practice ineffective nonsense still results in, hmm, ineffective nonsense. Quote, In the traditional practice of acupuncture, needle insertion itself may be accompanied by a variety of ancillary procedures, including palpation of the radial artery and other areas of the body, examination of the tongue, and recommendation of herbal medications, or herbal, herbal if you're in England. All of these steps are based on the application of principles of traditional Chinese medicine, i.e. they pull them out their ass, as opposed to Western physiologic and medical concepts, i.e. based on objective reality. To what extent such procedures may contribute to the psychological milieu of acupuncture is unknown, and only a few studies have examined the context in which acupuncture treatment is delivered. Note, it is not that radial artery palpation and tongue examination increase the diagnostic accuracy, it is that to contribute to the psychological milieu. It's like a psychic talking to your dead parent. It is important to make the environment conducive to fooling the patient into believing that an actual effect is occurring. He's actually talking to my dead mother. Take the pulse, please. Yes, Henny Youngman may be dead, but his spirit lives on in me. In TCM, traditional old Chinese medicine, they are not looking for tachycardia, but imaginary diseases based upon imaginary diagnoses. 
As an example, quote, each pulse position can reflect different phenomena in different situations. For example, in a state of health, the left middle pulse, liver, will be relatively soft and smooth, neither superficial nor deep. Sounds like Charmin tissue. Therefore, we can say that liver and gallbladder energies are balanced, or that the yin and the yang within the liver gallbladder sphere are balanced. If a patient is experiencing migraine headaches and her pulse feels wiry, harder and tighter than normal, and more superficial and pounding, then we may diagnose this as excessive liver fire rising. Man, that sounds painful, and I don't like spicy food. The pulse reflects the light rising energy. <laughs> or the tongue examination, which is another example of pre-scientific nonsense where the body is represented on the tongue, just like iridology where it's represented on the eye, or in reflexology where it's represented on the foot, or palmistry where it's represented on the hand, or German acupuncture where it's represented on the head. I think it's just these weird-ass manifestations of phrenology, if you ask me. Now, the editors of the New England Journal of Medicine seem to think this is reasonable, worthy of unqualified discussion. Of course, there is no reference to demonstrate that these additions increase diagnostic or therapeutic accuracy. Quote, The practitioner may further stimulate the needle with electric current. Don't daze me, bro. Moxibustion, burning the herb Artemisia vulgaris at the end of the acupuncture needle, or heat. Again, why? No data is given that this nonsense increases efficacy. I keep telling myself in sort of this chanting mantra, this is the New England Journal, this is the New England Journal. They are adding their imprimatur to the respectability of burning a plant on top of a needle stuck in the skin to ease chronic pain. Seriously. Then they note that the patients need multiple treatments, a minimum of 12, with boosters. And that they need to come in prophylactically to keep their spine aligned. No, wait, no, wait, no, wait. That's what chiropractors do. However, it seems that at $65 to $125 a pop for acupuncture, that acupuncturists have recognized the financial wisdom of D.D. Palmer's descendants. The New England Journal is suggesting that people pay around $1,200 for what is, at best, placebo and a sloppy placebo at that. The authors go on to adverse effects. 8.6% reported at least one adverse event, and 2.2% reported one that required treatment. Pretty impressive complication rate for an expensive, ineffective therapy. And they do not mention that in the acupuncture toothpick for knee pain study, toothpicks, which had the same effect as acupuncture, had zero side effects. Nor do they mention the well-reported cases of infection from sloppy aseptic technique. Now, I, again, I will ask you, if you have two procedures of equal efficacy, acupuncture, toothpick, and one has zero side effects, are you not ethically bound to suggest the procedure with no complications? If you're going to suggest acupuncture, ethically, you should offer sham acupuncture with twirled toothpicks. Try saying that three times really fast, especially when what you have to offer is no better than a placebo effect. Then... In the Aries of Uncertainty section of the review, they note that the effects of acupuncture are mostly explained by elaborate placebo effects. Huh. Benefit from acupuncture is, quote, 
mostly attributable to contextual and psychosocial factors such as patients' beliefs, expectations, attention from the acupuncturist, and highly focused, spatially directed attention on the part of the patient. These studies also seem to indicate that the needles do not need to stimulate the traditionally identified acupuncture points or actually penetrate the skin to produce the anticipated effect. So, they admit, it does nothing. You don't really need acupuncture to get the acupuncture effect. And acupuncture has complications. So again, ethically, can one recommend and charge for an elaborate placebo? I don't think so. Not the authors. Quote, the patient in the vignette has chronic back pain that has not responded to a number of medical treatments. So instead, we will go with the unethical, expensive, useless placebo. Quote, he has specifically requested a referral for acupuncture, and we would suggest a course of 10 to 12 treatments. Why? Over a period of eight weeks. Why? From a licensed, why, acupuncture or a physician trained in medical acupuncture. Actually, if your physician is trained in medical acupuncture, I think that would be a good criteria for not seeing that doctor because they don't know a burrow from a burrow. Can you believe this? This is all from the New England Journal of Medicine. Such total tripe. Now, I rely on the New England Journal to provide reviews of relevant medical topics as outside of infectious diseases and quackery, I do not have the time to read the primary literature. If this is the best that NEJM can do on a topic upon which I have some background, then how am I supposed to trust them in the future? As I tell my kids, you can judge a person by the company they keep. Or, if you lay down with swine, expect to smell of garbage. The New England Journal has lost some of its credibility. I doubt they will ever get it back. And that ends the exciting Quackcast number 50. Woohoo! Don't forget to go on iTunes and write me a glowing review. My fragile ego requests, no, demands it. As always, my growing multimedia empire can be found at moremark.squarespace.com, and all the references are available over at Science Based Medicine, where this is a somewhat modified version of my essay there. Otherwise, I will see you for QuackCast 51. The number of QuackCasts is rapidly approaching my age. Otherwise, see you next time. Bye.